Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Dan O'Rourke and I'm in studio today with a couple of my friends. It's good to see you, Ron Huntley. It's good to be here, Dan. And Father James Mallon, it's always a pleasure to be with you. It's great to be back. Now, guys, there's a, you know, we, we talk a lot about mission and and the importance that parishes understand that they're moving themselves from maintenance to mission. And mission isn't about theory, though. It's about action. And so today we've got two guests joining us to help us dive into how we understand his mission as action. I'm very excited to introduce today Stephen Auth. Uh, Stephen is a, a member of the Regnum Christi movement and sits on the national board of the Lumen, Lumen Institute, which he helped found in New York. He's participated in missions in Mexico with his wife, Evelyn, and has run the ongoing Regnum Christi street mission in New York City. He's also the author of a book, which he, he recently read too, I Father did, James. Uh, Missionary of Wall Street, I believe, <laughs> Stephen, it's called. It's yeah, good to see you, Steve. Thank Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dan. Okay, great. Father Michael is joining us. He's the uh, the National Director of Mission Youth. Uh, he received degrees in philosophy and theology from the Pontifical University of Regina. Uh, and I'm not even going to... The Regina Apostolorum? Is that how Regina I say that? Apostolorum. Re- Regina Apostolorum? Yeah. Yeah. Apostolorum, Queen of the Apostles. Dude, I, I'm so glad you're here because I need help. <laughs> <laughs> I need help. <laughs> uh, you frequently travel to uh, to Latin America for missionary work. You also lead the regular... Uh, the uh, probably you you lead retreats and you're a spiritual director for and the author of I Saw His Faith uh, and you've got a forthcoming book which I was just talking to you about called A Time for Apostles which will be coming out perhaps in the spring perhaps later depending on what the weather looks like in Michigan where you reside (laughs) getting snowstorms like this I'll have plenty of free time to be (laughs) writing it so So Father Michael Mitchell Steve it is great to have you both with us today thanks so much for being here Good to be with you all. So look, guys, I, I'd like to get a sense of, of some of the things that, that drive your work. So Steve, if maybe I could invite you to help us understand what, what's behind some of the missionary work that you do. Well, what we're doing, Dan, is uh, really trying to find Catholics where they are. And in the city of New York, New York um, mo- the fastest growing religious denomination is fallen away Catholics. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty is, uh, the, the society is kind of pushing the remaining Catholics inside our walls of our parishes and kind of hiding there, frankly. And I honestly, I think most Catholics prefer it there, you know, like-minded people. <laughs> safer. Uh, I preferred it there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one day we got a call um, to go outside the walls, if you will, by the pastor of Old St. Patrick's Cathedral down in Soho, which was a a parish that was, you know, falling away as the older parishioners moved out and the young people moved in. And um, he wanted us to go out onto the streets uh, to find Catholics, which I thought was a really pretty bad idea. I told my my, my wife, Steve, let's go do this. I go, sweetheart, this will never work. We're going to get some put out in our foreheads. I mean, this is like nuts. (laughs) And, um, you know, the story of the missionary of Wall Street, which for years was just, uh, was actually called um, Delivered by Grace as I worked on it, because there's a story in the book. Of course, you know, we do head out onto the streets. Um, You know, those of your listeners who've been married more than 25 years know how the discussion with Evelyn would have gone. <laughs> so there's this Wall Street, uh, you know, chief investment officer order, you know, used to ordering people around and suddenly finds himself out on the streets looking for Catholics. And um, 
Delivered by Grace is was about the, the idea is that there, there's this story in the book. Um, and and by the way, I mean, over the years, we've now talked to over three million people on the streets of New York. And wow. and what we've learned is that their spiritual lives um, are really not doing very well at all. And, you know, what happens is people get drawn by the culture to something they think is happiness. And they find out later it's not really joyful. And they meet a missionary on the street who's joyful and loving in a, in a Christ-like way, agape love. And they see something that they want to get a piece of. Mm. And many of these folks are just waiting for someone to tap them on the shoulder and invite them back. Yeah. It, it's remarkable how the Holy Spirit brings people to us. Um, and there's, there's a story about halfway through the missionary Wall Street where a, a man, John, comes up to the missionary, is me, out on the corner and says, Steve, I, I feel 50 pounds lighter. Uh, you know, I, I went to confession, first time in 40 years. Uh, I'm, I'm changed. My life has changed. And I said, John, how did that happen? You. You know, I was out here for half an hour with you. You assured me you would not go into that church. And he says, well, it was that young woman you had in front of the in front of the parish. What was her name? And I said, well, her name was Grace Scrabari. He goes, oh, that was it. I was delivered by Grace. Oh. <laughs> and, and um, you know, at one level, the book is about the delivery through Grace of all these folks wandering around the streets of New York. Um, but at another level, which you kind of finally get to when you get to the end of the missionary of Wall Street, and you see this, you know, very logical, um, you know, chief investment officer of a big mutual fund company standing out in the rain on Holy Thursday. Mm -hmm. And um, and something really remarkable happens. And what you really see is that the mission not only brings Falling away Catholics back to the Lord, it brings the missionaries closer to the Lord yeah, through right. a personal relationship with Him, and that's what's really transformational. That's that's a it, it's beautiful. I can't believe that, that three million people that, that you've been able to connect with through that that street ministry in New York. That is in and of itself uh, just a, a testament to your your determination and, and your drive. Uh, so, Father Michael, tell me what's what's drives what drives you. Help me understand how how you're living out the uh, the mission that God's placed in your heart. Well, I've been uh, so far a priest for eight years, working uh, from day one in, in this mission youth organization. Mostly, university students or you know seniors in high school, and uh, it began back in 1993 at the World Youth Day. Something happened, and it was there in Denver. I I mean, I I was just 13 years old at the time. I didn't go. I had friends who went, but there was like a spark was lit in that first World Youth Day. Something changed in the church, at least in North America, from, mm. from that moment with St. John Paul II, who told the kids there, go out into the streets and plazas of the new evangelization and change the world. And they took it to heart. I mean, it, we, we right after that, we founded what was called at the time Youth for the Third Millennium, which lasted up until, you know, once 2000 passed, we changed the name to Mission Youth. Uh, and what inspires 
us is is like uh, Father James says in his book that's not that the Church of Christ has a mission, but the mission of Christ has a church. And if we're not missionary, we're not really uh, being the church Christ founded and and called us to be. Mm-hmm. I uh, love watching our young adults, these millennials, which you know, in our church, in our culture at large, they get a bad rap at times, right? But they are some of the you could say most open-minded and wanting to change the world and do something good. Like the, you know, a positive, leaving a positive mark on the world is kind of what the, it's a, it's a general attitude that they have. And if we can tap into that and not be afraid to work with our young people, uh, there is a whole army ready to be unleashed for the church in North America. Uh, And too often I feel like uh, a maintenance church, you could say approach is to be very careful uh, with youth work, to be very um, limiting of its scope. It's not easy. Uh, and, you know, there's there's definitely liabilities, you know, <laughs> when you have a whole bunch of teenagers over at the parish, you know, things might get broke and things might get messy. And uh, and that's good. And the church of maintenance look frowns on that, you know, and it's like, let's not, you know, you know, God forbid that some, you know, something gets broken in a church, you know, and I've seen youth groups uh, in different places, which I won't mention, get shut down because of the parish's concern for liability. And so it's, you wash your hands of it and it's not easy, but it's been the most rewarding work I've done for these last eight years. So Father James, help me, uh, you've, you've, um, you've heard these two guys sort of explain what's on their hearts. Tie it in for me with, with divine renovation and what we do with parishes. Yeah, I see great overlap, you know, I, in reflecting through this, this missionary vocation that we have as a church, which is our deepest identity. And I think we have to claim that the, the first point is, is one of identity. You know, because we're human beings, not human doings. And we, how we act usually uh, is a simply a reflection of our self-understanding. So if we, if we have that, that conviction that we are a sent people, we're at this which means to be missionary, we're, we're a sent church. I mean, the Lord has sent us. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so we're a sent church, but most of our parishes... We don't go anywhere, as 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 Steve said. We we hide we hide behind the walls of our church. We we find it safe there. So we've been we've been given a commandment, uh, a great commission, and uh, for the most part, we we don't go. And so mm-hmm. we've got to reclaim that identity, and and that's really the first challenge. And then uh, mission moves from an identity to being a posture, which is a question of of inward focus or outward focus. Because you know, I hear both Steve and, and Father Michael talking about. You know, you know, almost, you know, the fact that you had eyes to see, you had eyes to see the the poverty, the the, the spiritual poverty uh, in our culture, in our in our cities. But if we're inward focus, if our posture is 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 turned inwards, we're not going to see it. And so, uh, culture is a is a is about a, a transformation of our posture. And then we've got to fight the constant gravitational pull to return to the center. So that's why we need to move from identity to posture into a culture, developing a culture of mission, which simply means normalizing it. Steve, I, I'm sure for you, you had a moment when the first time you went out on the street, you thought, this is nuts, this, this is weird, this is crazy. But after a while, it became normal. Uh, it became also normal for your parish as well, right? 
Right. And Father, you know what it was I learned? Um, it's very prideful, I think, to respond to the, a, a call from the Lord saying, well, I'm not really qualified for that. Because we're not qualified for any spiritual ministry. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I would be qualified for this, but not that. How about this? And what what I learned is that the Lord doesn't call the equipped. He equips yeah. the people. Amen. Yep. And, and so many folks, when they hear about this mission in New York, even priests I've talked to, their first reaction is fear. Hmm. It's like, this sounds crazy. And that's why I start the Missionary Wall Street that way, because in fact, that's how I felt. <laughs> but once you start working with the Lord and you see that it's he who is doing, why did he say, "Be not, Father, how many times did he say, be not afraid to us? Many times. I think it's the most <laughs> quoted quote from Jesus, right? Yeah. There's a reason for it. Be not afraid. You know, when you say that, Steve and Father Michael, both of you talked about fear. And both of you are doing things that most people would find incredibly frightening. And, you know, Father James, as you talk about, you know, we need an identity shift. And that identity shift, it didn't change for Steve uh, academically. It was his wife's compelling him to action whether he wanted to. And I always laugh. I always say to people, I don't mind making people do things that they'll thank me for later. And that was your wife. Like we as we as just individuals, if, if God has put something on our heart, we need to find a way to influence others. Father James, you often say when it comes to ministry, we want you serving in ministry, not because we want f- what we want from you, it's what we want for you. Well, it's what Steve said, the joy of, of actually realizing God God can actually use me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> God actually used me. This is incredible. <laughs> I, and the, the sad reality is so many of our church-going people have never had the the joy, the, the sheer satisfaction. One of those kind of like, Lord, you can take me now moments because my because <laughs> I just have this incredible satisfaction in knowing that in spite of it all, in spite of my weaknesses and my flaws, and all my, you know, inadequacies that the Lord has used me. Amen. Amen. And so I love that both of these leaders are, are mobilizing other people to join you in ministry. And it's through ministry with Christ and other Christians oftentimes that we find Christ. And so sometimes you find Christ first and then go on mission. And sometimes it's through mission that you find Christ. But either way, let's take people to Christ. Like It's actually iterative. <laughs> It's iterative. It keeps growing. And the more we go on missions with the Lord, the greater our relationship grows and the stronger and the more confident we are in him. And we become fearless. Father Michael, you didn't have an Evelyn to, to help you out the door that first time. <laughs> yeah, well, who's your Evelyn? <laughs> I can loan her to you, Father, if you're interested. <laughs> so, Father Michael, help me understand what, what, what were some of the challenges that you had when you when you started out? Getting when you when you're working with a group of young adults, right? Uh, they oftentimes have a lot of ideas that maybe us a little bit older people in the church, you could say, might think are bad ideas. And so you want to direct them in the way you think it should work, right? But letting the young people, uh, you could say, unleashing them, letting the ideas that inspire them be what are motivating them. Instead of like we talk about not trying to just recruit people for filling positions that, you know, we go to the soup kitchen because we always do. And so we need people as you're twisting people's arms and making them feel bad for not going. Mm, right. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> when the young adults come to you and to say, you know, let's like, this is what's happening in San Francisco. They said, we want to do a flash mob way of the cross in Fisherman's Wharf 
on Good Friday, right? What even is that? You know, flash mobs. It's like they on they get together on their Instagram and they say, okay, everyone meet at this exact time, and you come dressed up as some person of the way of the cross, a soldier or Jesus, and and they came from all different areas, and all of a sudden. In a split second, they started away with the cross in the midst of all the people there on that Good Friday. That was a, a typical idea that probably would have been shot down by you know many youth ministers and many other places, but it worked. It was beautiful. I mean, they did it well. It was letting them be the lead on it as opposed to trying to think that maybe the same old ways of doing things that we've done in the past have to be continued to use and somehow we have to make them fit into that. So it's it's letting go a little bit in uh, in ministry. Did that hit YouTube by any chance? Uh, yeah, I, I, you can find it on YouTube. Yep. What would I look under? You would look under San Francisco Mission Youth or Holy Week Missions Mission Youth San Francisco. Oh, and so I hope all our listeners look that up right now. <laughs> uh, Father Michael, I think that what you've just described is a is a real paradigm shift uh, for for parishes in particular, and it's something that uh, it's sometimes easier to do it with young people, but really it, it ought to be our goal for all parishioners because mm. what we've experienced is that in traditional parishes you've got these ministries that the parish has been committed to for decades or for many, many years. And the primary commitment is to sustain ministries at all costs. Even if there's a lack of interest or there's a lack of leadership, we keep them on life support. And we we basically shame people into signing up to keep these things going. But the, the starting point has been, you know, a small group of people have discerned that we're going to commit to these kinds of ministries. Whereas what we found is our parish began to renew and people were evangelized and had a conversion to, to, to the mission. We had a shift because we began to say, okay, you're a missionary disciple. What mission has God put on your heart? Amen. And let's help equip you to do that to do that ministry. And it and it's really is about flipping the whole thing around. And we just found that that the overall impact for the kingdom of God is far greater if you can flip that around. Mm. I love what Steve said too. You talked about getting out and and doing things that make you afraid. And Father Michael's the same thing because a lot of times for us in the local parish, the idea of ministry is serving in some liturgical form during mm-hmm. mass, yep. as if that's like that's not that fearful and it's not going to grow you that much. It's it's important and it needs to happen, but we have to think of ministry way beyond just making Sundays happen. And for so many people, that seems to be, hey, are you serving in ministry? Yeah, I read. Well, thank you, but I like let's get out of the church and you're you're kind of going to be there anyway so it's yeah. always kind of laughed that that was always the kind of the the low threshold thing well i'm going to be there anyway so um. yeah an element to to that is uh one of our great successes you could say we've had was the idea of parishes having a holy week mission not that that's the only time during the year when you do mission but mm-hmm. easily take advantage of for example, your college kids that are away studying are usually home that time. Kids are off school. Families are together. And there's a natural disposition in people to do something spiritual, you could say. So harnessing all of that, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, the church can put on different activities, uh, missionary you know, of all different types, if it's, you know, some working at the soup kitchen can be one of them or the flash mob, you know, down the local town center can be another one for a way of the cross. But it's harnessing that so that the Holy Week is not just a time when the church has to, you know, put Easter lilies in the sanctuary and, and have the choir ready. Right. That's not 
that's the church of maintenance, right? That, that's all that Holy Week means, right? But mm. a missionary church is, that's the best time to open our doors, right? Mm. For the beauty of that liturgy, let's welcome everyone. And how about we canvas the neighborhood with a, with a flyer that has every single liturgy time and a welcoming message from the pastor and have your kids go out and do, they would love to go door to door with a mission from the local pastor who actually meets with them in the morning and says, you know, could you do this for me? We really need this to happen. And these kids will run with it. And that's a win-win for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. But Holy Week is more than just adding Easter lilies to the sanctuary. <laughs> one, of our, uh, one of our experiences, Father, has been that um, in terms of reaching fallen away Catholics, the best time to reach them is to anchor a mission around some form of a Catholic holiday where the Lord really is sort of tugging at them. Like Good Friday, as an example, you mentioned, that's like an awesome day to do an outreach mission. We're trying to get people back through the sacrament of confession because on Good Friday, even fallen white Catholics feel that tug. Ash Wednesday is so easy. Some of my experienced missionaries tell me they don't want to go because it's like shooting fish in a barrel. (laughs) Um, We're going to be out there in Advent the week before Christmas. And that is a very good time to do this because you know, people are going, well, I'm too busy. I'm getting ready for Christmas. <laughs> we'll say, well, how, you know, how about getting your soul ready for Christmas, you know? And um, so, yeah, I, the idea of anchored around a major church holiday that on away Catholics or Catholic lights, whatever you want to call them, um, I think feel the grip of the Lord and he's, he's touching them in some way, you know. Uh, Steve, they, I, I, you, you talk a lot them. about, you know, reaching fallen away Catholics. And as you mentioned, it's the single biggest religious grouping in, in, in the United States. And when I was reading your book, I was thinking that too, because I was, and I was, you know, stay, stay with me here for a moment. I was thinking, why is this guy just focusing on fallen away Catholics? You know, like we were called to reach everyone. And then I came to the chapter that was about <laughs> reaching everyone. And, and I realized that, no, you weren't excluding everyone, but, you know, by aiming there, you, it was, it created an opening because your leading question to people is, excuse me, are you a Catholic? And, uh, well, either they are or they're not. Either way, it opens a conversation, but you have had some fruitfulness and success in reaching non-Catholics and non-believers. Yeah, we have, Father, and um, it is a very provocative question. And uh, what it often does with the non, you know, non-Catholics is they'll say, well, what, what is there something special going on for Catholics here, you know? And, <laughs> or sometimes it'll be more hostile, like, oh, you, all you Catholics want to kill us. <laughs> and all of those, our goal in those conversations is to give them uh, an experience of a joyful, non-judgmental, loving person. Beautiful. And to get them, if we can get them to go back to their synagogue to pray for us or to light a candle in the church to pray for us. We had an interaction um, once it's described in, in the Missionary Wall Street where a Hindu monk shows up on the scene. And he's standing and I'm watching the corner of my eye for about 15 minutes. I'm thinking this is going to be something, you know. <laughs> and so finally he comes over and he says, listen. You two, you're not, just so you know, you're not going to get me, okay? I'm not Catholic. <laughs> and I said, no, no, I get it. I, you know, uh, he says, but, he goes, I've been observing you two. And what's so incredible to me is that you seem to love 
everybody that you talk to here, mm. the ones that are ignoring you, that are spitting at you, being mean to you, and the ones that are talking with you. you, you, you there's this deep love that I have not observed on the streets of New York before, mm. you know, and I, I, I want to encourage you to just keep doing that. Mm, wow. That's what we're hoping to get with people of other faiths to see that because their image of Catholics, yes, in the faith is is very negative in some cases. And sometimes know? that image is justified, you know, in terms of what what they've experienced. It's one of the things that we share in in you know we obviously use Alpha as a as a as a tool to bring people to more explicit evangelization, but the ideal of, of a team member and the environment we want to create is that loving, welcoming, non-judgmental. And, and it's not that, you know, you know, all are welcome and, and, you know, and that's where it begins and that's where it ends. No, we're, we, we do desire to bring people on a whole process, but those qualities are key. Let me ask you a quick question because there's a lot within the church today, there can be a kind of a, a hostility towards the world, a hostility towards people who are not believers, because there's a sense that somehow we've been betrayed, or our our preeminence in the culture has been has been uh, usurped. Uh, can you speak to that? Because I really believe we can't. We can never reach people with whom we're angry. Father, the one of the beauties of you, you know this, but maybe this, you're trying to draw it out of me, but. Um, one of the beauties of developing a relationship with the Lord is you begin to see that uh, you're a beloved son or daughter of God. And by implication, you begin to realize that everyone else is also Amen. a beloved son or daughter. And therefore, they're all your brothers and sisters. That's what I try to instill in the missionaries, that understand we're talking to our brothers and sisters out here, every single one of them. And when you begin to approach people with that way, with a sense, I'm talking to a brother here, however odd looking they may be or whatever religion they're coming from or whatever, um, and you genuinely feel that and believe that, it changes the way you interact with people. Mm. I would I would agree with that there. One passage from the Bible that inspires me is God so loved the world that he sent his only son. The world is loved by God, created by God. It's it's beautiful. We make a mess of it, but a church that just, you know, isolated behind the impenetrable walls of her defenses mm -hmm. that kind of has a or let me give you a, an example. I out in California, when I was out working, there was a common phrase of some Catholics there that was, you know, the world is so evil, it's time to circle the wagons, right? Yep. It's kind of a Wild West type yeah. idea, circle the wagons. And that's not the Church of Pentecost. That's not what Jesus Amen. said to do. It's not to circle the wagons. And, Amen. and if we keep doing that, Right. Uh, we're we're going to protect ourselves so well that uh, there's not going to be any missionary disciple left. You could say it might sound a little dramatic to say it in that in that sense. But circling the wagons is not an image of the church. But you're absolutely right, because, you know, cultural Catholicism, the days of cultural Catholicism are, are over because that that way of passing on faith, it, it no longer works. The, the, the spiritual osmosis 
the, the chemical reaction doesn't happen anymore in our post-Christian culture. So the only way forward for the church is to reclaim her missionary identity. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if we circle those walls, just like, uh, like you spoke about earlier, Steve, is we'll, we'll find ourselves safely behind the walls, but we'll be hospicing ourselves to death as there's no, there's no growth. There's yeah, because no sheep, sheep generally every, age, every year get one year older. Mm. And the baby sheep that the sheep are having, uh, at least in Canada, 90% of them leave the flock. <laughs> so that, if that just hiding behind our walls and, and minding the sheep that we presently have is not a good long-term strategy for the church. Well, it's terrible because the sheep you do have behind the walls, their kids and the people they care about are outside those darn walls. And we don't mobilize. We don't learn how as leaders to mobilize the, the flock for mission we basically don't care about them because their hearts are broken, shredded, because their friends and family have left the church, shredded, and yet we don't even address it. And Steve, as I hear what you're talking about, mission and mobilizing all these people, remember that uh, Catholics come home, uh, you know, yeah. I, I've talked to a few people that, that were impacted by that in terms of their churches were, you know, supporting that. The problem is people came home. And they found exactly what they left, and they left again. <laughs> and so we don't teach people how to lead parishes in a way that's electrifying and dynamic. And uh, if they don't see miracles that God is fully doing, he's fully present and alive right now, right here. And if people don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their church community, they're going to walk away because it's just head knowledge. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it in schools. Like schools are just... God bless them. They're doing everything they can, I suppose, but they're not graduating disciples. They're graduating people who know stuff about religion who don't want anything to do with the church. It's horrifying. Yeah, and it's so iterative. And uh, Father James, you know what I said to you out of Napa, but I I really felt um, as I listened to what you're doing that there's something here, a real complementarity with um, what we're doing in terms of mission because one of the things we've been blessed with down at Old St. Pat's is, one, we've got um, a number of legionaries down there. And the lead pastor um, is, is a missional pastor. I mean, it was his idea. He's not a legionary. But, you know, so we're bringing people. The thing would not be successful if we didn't have in persona Christe holy priests that are missional in their own makeup that are then attending to the faithful, right? I mean, you know, you, per your point, I mean, they, they come and they go. Uh, on the other hand, the priests need us to be out there on the streets bringing the souls in, you know, and it's, it's very complimentary. Um, the laity have a huge role to play in the rejuvenation of the faith. Yeah. And Father, you make this point so many times in your book, but if we're just sitting around waiting for the priest to get it all done, I mean, that is just not going to happen. The the lady have to be engaged in this process. Well, Father Michael's next book, the title of it, it just gets me so excited. I don't know what's in the book yet, but yeah. the title alone, I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> I've got to title. read that book. It's a great title because it's true. Yeah. We're, in a, we're in an apostolic yeah. era. And if we don't learn how to be apostles, if we don't learn, even if you're a, a priest who isn't apostolic by nature, um, to be able to unleash people who do have that apostolic bend within your parish and learn how to work with people so that they can live out their charism in a way that's unified, then, you know, 
we're gonna we're going to die. Mm. When I was listening to you earlier, Steve, I, I was I was being drawn back to uh, what what uh, Saint Peter wrote in his first letter, uh, because he's he's writing to an oppressed church, right? He's, he's he's writing into that that church that is not cultural, that you know we are not living in cultural Catholicism, and he's and he and he's writing to the Christians, encouraging them to conduct themselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that through, though they though they malign you as evildoers, the ones that spit in your face, the ones that reject you, so though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. And I just, I, I heard so much of that. Those That verse was so clear in, in, in that short story you, you shared with us earlier. Look, guys, we are out of time. So I wanted to give our, our two guests just a moment to, to, to close us out. And if there's anything you want to offer, you know that there's there's bishops, priests, uh, lay leaders listening from all over the world. Uh, so Father Michael, if you have any words of encouragement or, or words of wisdom that you'd want to share, I don't, it doesn't have to be wise, just words. I, I, don't, wanna, I, don't, I don't want you to have to be, like, this is not meant to be your magnum opus. This is just a moment of, of sharing. <laughs> So, so please, if there's anything you'd like to encourage our audience with. Yeah, it's to be not afraid to harness your young people in your parishes, in your schools, wherever they might be. Let them begin to lead. Let them begin to make a mess of the church in a certain sense and, and transform it from within. You, you, you might have a mess on your hands for a short term, but long term, you're going to be blessed because of it. Amen. So that's my, my magnum opus for you there. <laughs> God bless you. Thanks for being with us, Father Michael. Steve, is, are there any last parting words you'd like to offer our, our audience? Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, as I always say to the missionaries, when they say, Mr. Roth, what will I say? What will I do? How do I do this? And I just say, love the men. Love the men. Thank you so much for, for being with us, guys. And, and and thank you for all that you do for, for mission. It's, it's such a, a joy to be able to hear the stories of what God's doing through you and the people around you. And thank you for joining us uh, this week. And we look forward to, to being with you again next week. God bless. Thanks so much for listening. If you're excited for more content, check out Unlocking Your Parish, Making Disciples and Raising Up Leaders Through Alpha by Ron Hunley and Father James Mallon. For more information on all of our books, check out the link in the description below. Next week on the podcast. We have to begin to think about all those functions within the church, not only charisms within us individually, but functions in the church so that they're working to be fruitful because you can tell a tree by its fruit.